0: Welcome to Creative Principles, I'm your host, Brock Swenson. In this podcast, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, and more, where we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and methods of a creative life. This episode is brought to you by freelancerclass.com. At Freelancer Class, you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money as a writer, marketer, graphic designer, virtual assistant, or an accountant from the comfort of your own home. Make a little extra money or replace your income at freelancerclass.com. Canadian director Jordan Canning discusses creative guilt, shooting on film versus digital, little achievable bites of work in a day, and getting started on shorts to create a tone on set as a director. In her new film, Suck It Up, She takes on an emotional story with an energized all-female cast.
1: I kind of grew up around film. My mom uh, worked as a production designer for a long time, and I was on my first film set when I was four, and so I was around it a lot, but I I didn't really realize I wanted to work in film until much later. I, I went to university, and I did creative writing and sociology. And after I graduated, I kind of thought that I would, you know, go do my master's or something. But uh, instead, I uh, I started working at a production company and started, um, uh, I, I made my first short film through the film co-op in Newfoundland. And it was kind of this uh, realization of, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and I think mostly because it just was this really great combination of a lot of things that I loved, like writing, and I was doing a lot of photography at the time, and working with a big group of people and actors, and it all just sort of was this, all these puzzle pieces that fit together, and I just got hooked, and so I just kept making short films, and um, I kept working on other people's films, and yeah, sort of never stopped.
0: I see at least um ten credits for short films on IMDB. How would you compare making short films versus going to film school or something like that?
1: Well, um I I didn't ever go to film school, so I, I can't speak from experience, um, but I will say that making short films to me was um was as g at least as good, if not better, as as I think what I would have learned going to film school, Um, digging in and and kind of, you know, trial by fire and making mistakes and figuring out sort of what what your voice is and the kind of stories you want to tell and and how you want to tell them was, you know, um, I I mean, it was just the foundation of all of my work. And a lot of the a lot of the themes and stories I started working on in, in my shorts years and years ago, I'm still Trying to figure out and 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 still working on in the features that I'm making 15 or 12 years later. <laughs>
0: um, back when you were making those shorts on the on the technical side, what kind of gear were you using, and, and how long were some of the films?
1: Yeah, um, there's a, a, a quite a variety. I made my first short film, like I said, through the uh, the Newfoundland Independent Filmmakers Cooperative, which is an amazing film co-op in the town I grew up in, St. John's. And at the time, this was like 2005. Um, they had a great program. They still have it, but at the time they were shooting on Super 16. So this was called the First Time Filmmakers Program and you could apply with a short script and they would basically help you make your first film with hook you up with a mentor and a crew that worked for free. And we shot on film, which was pretty cool. Um, I shot my first couple of films on, uh, on Super 16. And then after that, it was sort of like, I made a film on, uh, uh, you know, uh, what was I, What were they called? They were at Panasonic uh, HVX. I had one of those. I actually bought one of those and shot a series of films on those and some music videos. I shot a film on 35mm once, which was the first and only time. And then since then, it's mostly been red cameras. And uh, I've never shot any shorts on Alexa, mostly reds and, and Sonys. But yeah, various digital cameras.
0: I'm sure there was a lot of trial and error back then. Can you think of one specific failure or apparent failure that led to a future success or taught you something valuable?
1: Um, sure, yeah. I think uh, my third short film, which was sort of the first short that I had gotten an actual budget for, so I, I made my first short through the co-op basically for free. I made my second short on my credit card. And then for my third short, I got... Grants, and I and I was like, wow, I have a budget, and um, I thought, you know, this is this is uh, this is going to be the best film that I've made yet because you know now I have the resources I need. Um, and ultimately, that short film was probably the weakest script um, of any of my shorts. And so, in the end, the film it was a, f- a fine film, and I learned a lot from it. and It was fun to do, but. Afterwards, I sort of had this realization, I sort of stepped back and went, you know, I need to get better. um, And I can't do that if if every one of my short films has to have this kind of budget. And if I'm only making a short film once every couple of years or something, I'm never going to get really good at this. And so... That film not having uh, not being a huge success led to me making my next set of films, which was called the House Series, and this was a trilogy of shorts that um, myself and my partner at the time uh, conceived of, where we wrote them for specific actors. They were all two-handers, and they were all they all took place in a different room of our house, and uh, we wrote them for actors we wanted to work with, and they were really they, they started out as sort of directorial exercises, I guess. I wanted to shoot them and edit them and, um, and just get better at directing. And they ended up being like pretty formative films in, in my body of work or whatever, you know, um, bedroom kitchen and bathroom is what they were called. And we made them, I mean, they're, they We didn't have any money. No, everybody worked for free. It was mostly just myself and a sound person and the actors. Um, and they were sort of, to me, they, they were sort of the first films that I made that really helped me grow as a director and, and really set the, kind of set this tone for how I really liked to work on set. And I carried that with me through, I still carry it today. I mean, my first feature, We Were Wolves, took that same kind of approach you know we wrote we wrote that for a place we had and two three actors we wanted to work with and eight of us went out in the woods for 14 days and made it for 30 grand and it was you know that same magical wonderful experience of like what you can do with so little and that you don't I mean you know, I'm working in TV now and we have like so many resources and huge crews and, you know, the trucks for days. And sometimes you just think like, wow, it's, it's amazing to have all these resources. But I also know I can, I can make something with just a camera and a couple of actors. And that's, you know, sometimes (laughs) it's a different kind of fun, but it's nice to remember that like, you can you can do so much with so little even in a, in a in a big kind of in a big industry like film
0: yeah the limitations actually make you be more force you to be more creative absolutely what were some of your inspirations back then when you're when you're writing two characters in a room what what were the films you were watching or or thinking about
1: i i was watching, I mean, I think some of the films that inspired me, I wish I had like an answer that was like, this is the film I saw and I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I never really had that moment. I watched a lot of movies when I was a kid. That's kind of how me and my parents spent our evenings. Um, and I just, I, I loved, I loved a good story. Um, and that could take a lot of different forms. Um, one of the films that I think was kind of formative because I I think I kind of watched it at a time where I was starting to sense, you know, that I wanted to do something creative was Magnolia. It was P.T. Anderson's Magnolia. And um, still to this day, like, I love that film, and I've never made a film anything like Magnolia. It's huge and sprawling, and um, I love it, and and I, I love to be inspired by big juicy stories, but that's not necessarily the kind of stories that I want to make or have made so far. I think I'm just getting started, I hope, in my uh, career of making features. And I have a lot of different kinds of stories I want to tell, but they they don't all take one shape.
0: So let's kind kind of jump forward to today. What attracted you to the new film, Suck It Up?
1: Suck It Up, yeah. Suck It Up just kind of like cosmically came into my life at this really uh uh strange time a co- sort of kismet I think um I had just moved back to St. John's um to be with my partner at the time who had just been diagnosed with cancer and this script this this person I didn't know Aaron Carter emailed me out of the blue and said, "Hi, I'm an actress, and myself and Grace Glowicki and the, this writer, Julia Hoff, have this script, and uh, we're looking for a female director. And someone suggested you. Would you like to read it? And they sent it to me, and um, you know, I started reading it. And on like page three, there was something about, you know, she opens up a medicine cabinet and you see pill bottles, and I, it's my stomach just like." Drop because I was like, oh, somebody's dead or someone has just died of can- of cancer in this book, like, I, or in this movie. And I, and so I kept going forward. And the more I read, the more I just saw, you know, I read a lot of scripts and you don't often, sometimes you see things you're like, oh, I I could find a way into this. I, maybe I could, I could find a way to make this my own. But as soon as I read this script, I just felt like, shit, I have, I have stuff I could say. Um, I, there's stuff I could bring to the table with this script because I I knew it,, um, and I continued to know it for a couple of years as we developed it and and even though the script was quite different from what we ended up shooting, it was much more of a sort of, it was much more comedic, and I guess I kind of I bummed it out a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it was, um, Julia's voice, I think, was always so present, and her way with, with characters and with dialogue just really grabbed me and, and the territory that she was working in of, of grief and sort of the weird, funny messed up ways that we uh, humans behave when we're in the throes of grief was something that I just really, uh, it really resonated with me and I really wanted, I think I really needed, I don't know if I realized at the time, but I really needed to uh, process some of that stuff. Um, And this was, A way to do it and a way to focus some of that energy into something positive. Mm -hmm. So, and then when I met with Aaron and Grace, I met them for a coffee in Toronto and they were just so wonderful. And I just wanted to work with them. I had just made a, my first feature was a pretty masculine film. It was uh, mostly two guys, uh, two leads, two wonderful male actors, but it was a masculine film. And I kind of, I think I was really feeling the need to work with some some badass women and I I was won over by them immediately so yeah it just felt like something I needed to
0: do what were some of the initial benefits like they were looking for a female director as well what were some of those points that really brought together the whole female cast
1: yeah they really wanted I think a, a female hand uh, on the wheel um, guiding it and um, it was you know it, it's a, an emotional story and and um, I think all of us just felt this sort of uh, connection with each other and with the material and and just wanted to create wanted to keep that kind of energy throughout the whole process through development and through production and and we really did. like I mean, our two producers, Mark and Jason, are dudes, obviously. Um, but we just had this kind of magical. Uh, vibe on set. Um, it was a wonderful group of people, cast and crew, and we all just sort of felt like family. And and I think that's what we were all striving for. That's what I mean. I think that's what anyone would want to strive for when you're making a film, especially a, a, an indie film like this, when nobody's doing this for the paycheck. You know, we all just want to believe in the story that we're doing, and we want to have an amazing experience making the film. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was really important to them. And certainly to to me that that's what we um, adhered to as we made the film.
0: The cinematography looks amazing. Um, what were some of the shooting locations, and then what was the timeline like for the for shooting the entire film?
1: Yeah. Um, so Julia, who wrote the film, uh, is American, but Aaron and Grace had grown up going to Invermere, which is in British Columbia, which is where we shot most of the film, and that was sort of their summer vacation place grace's cottage is actually the cottage that we filmed in for the film and uh, but julia had never been there and when aaron and grace had sort of pitched the story to her or the idea hey do you want to write a movie that we can star in basically mm-hmm. and oh we have this cottage in Invermere, so maybe base it around this little town in the in the mountains you've never been to um julia Yeah, I think they sent Julia, like, a laundry list of all the funny, interesting things about Invermere. Like, there's this bowling alley and a candy store and, like, you know, a a floating dock. And so Julia, having never been there, created this, uh, you know, town in her mind, which ended up being exactly what Invermere was when we all showed up to scout it. Um, And so as soon as we showed up and, and finally saw... You know this this place has so much to offer. It's such a wonderful town, and and had never really been captured on film. Um, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to obviously capture it and and let it be its own sort of character in the film. Mm-hmm. So once Guy Godfrey, our cinematographer, came on board, he and I started working quite closely, talking about reference. Reference films and mostly sort of building this uh, lookbook of frame grabs and uh, you know different sort of shots that we we wanted to be inspired by. And then once we got there, we had the luxury of three weeks of pre-production with our lead actresses. And so Guy and I were you know doing rehearsals with them and building basically our shot list on the ground, which is something you don't often get the luxury of doing. Um, So yeah, we had all of this preparation done before we even started filming on day one. But ultimately we had, I think we had 18 days of shooting on on paper. But because we were such a small, um, flexible crew, sometimes we would go shoot on the weekends or sometimes, you know, if the light was amazing, we would just, Guy would grab the camera and he and I and Aaron and, and Grace would just, you know, run down to the, beach at magic hour and be like okay Grace smoke a joint and we'll just film you smoking a joint um and so we were able to grab all of these extra little pieces that were never scripted or conceived of but you know that that we saw in the moment or once we were there um that we felt really would f- you know flesh out the film and these characters and and help us show the passage of time and and just spend some um on uh, alone time with these characters on screen which i think is always really important in a in a drama especially a character piece like suck it up you just want to believe that these characters are existing and that their lives go on in between the scenes um so that was something we strove for and and talked about doing in prep and we're lucky enough to uh to pull it off when we were shooting.
0: It seems like great advice, not only to write what you know, but to film at places you're really familiar with. I think a lot of people skip over that. What other advice do you have for young filmmakers trying to make their first indie films?
1: Especially if it's their first one, like, just make it. I mean, I think I made a lot of short films, and in retrospect, like, I... It takes a lot of effort to make a short film, and sometimes you can get a big big enough grant to make a short that you could you could shoot a feature for it (laughs) and I think like the more work you do and and the more frequently you work even if it is just on short films in between um it's so important to just keep doing what you love and um figuring out figuring out what you have to say and how you want to say it um and there's only so much you can do, uh, in, in in your imagination. It it really makes such a difference to be on set directing actors and working, you know, working through your script and figuring out how to tell your story and then editing it after. I mean, the whole process is so important. And I just think the more you do it, um, you know, the better you're going to be. I'm, I'm so glad I made, we were wolves. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We had, but we had an amazing time doing it and certainly I know that I learned so much making that that small very small budget film that I brought to suck it up and suck it up is is uh, you know a much stronger film um, for having done that so yeah just just do it a lot that's my brilliant
0: advice <laughs> are there any bad recommendations or bad advice that you often hear in your profession that people should ignore in the beginning of their careers? Hmm.
1: That's a good question. Just that you can't do something (laughs) like I, you know, things are changing a lot in, in good ways for, for women right now. And certainly it's taken a long enough time. Um, I was given some horrible advice years and years ago back when I was starting out trying to get an agent and a female agent told me like just how hard it is for her to get jobs for women directors. So she doesn't, she tended not to take women directors on. I mean, that sounds very archaic to say it even now, but that only, you know, incensed me to double down and work way harder and, uh, you know, basically prove her wrong. So I, I guess if anyone tells you you can't do something, um, just prove them wrong.
0: This one's kind of possibly vague, but when you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused, um, what do you do to kind of get back into it, get back in the groove of things with your work, whether you're writing or creating or filmmaking?
1: Oh, well, it's uh, it's so different. I, I'm, I feel like I'm a different human being when I'm, Uh, writing versus when I'm shooting I feel it's been a it's been a little while now um, since I've like felt that I was in a writing mode most of this year and last year I was shooting um, and I'm definitely sort of at I think at my most I feel most at home when I'm on set in production and and I think it's where like my body and my brain are kind of like at their most well-oiled so and there's so many things to just be doing and, and decisions to be made and fires to put out when you're shooting. I have a, I'm have usually not unfocused, but writing is like a different beast. And um, it can be really hard. It can be really hard, especially like, it's like if you haven't exercised in a while, it's harder and harder to take that first step to like go back to the gym for the first day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I found sometimes when it's been a long time since I've been writing and I get, you know, you get creative guilt and you're like, God, why am I not just doing this? Why don't I wake up and write in the morning and you get down on yourself. But what I find always helps with writing is setting, just setting like a really achievable and um, clear goal for yourself. So the last time I was writing um, a feature script, I said, I have to write, Um, I have to write three to five pages a day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those would be such easy pages. Like I would write one three page scene and it would take me an hour and a half and I'd be like, great, I'm going to go, you know, dick around for the rest of the day or do whatever I want. And sometimes those three pages would, you know, take me the entire day, but I would always do it because in my head I would think, okay, well, if I write three pages a day, I'll have finished this in a month. And that might just be the kind of like I'm kind of like a list maker, uh, you know, planner, box checker brain type. But that works for me. Is just like break it down into little, um, uh, you know, little achievable bites that you can uh, that you can do each day. And don't try to just think, like, well, I got to finish. I got to write this whole story. And it, it, it just overwhelms you and you don't even know where to start. You can write three pages a day, even if they're shitty, like get to a finished draft and then you can go back and, and start chipping away at the next layer of it. But, um, yeah, that's my
0: that's my thoughts. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share about the film itself?
1: I guess. Um, no, I I think what I'm finding interesting now that we're starting to, like, put it out into the world mm-hmm. is. I guess this could kind of go back to your like advice to filmmakers or upcoming filmmakers. It's like, it's a whole other ball game. Once you put your film out into the world, Mm -hmm. Um, it's such an amazing and exhausting and fulfilling process making it. And you kind of think like, okay, I did it. I, I finished and really like making the film is just such is just the beginning of your film's life. It's just like the gestation period. And then you give birth to it and suddenly it has this, takes on a life of its own. And there's some really amazing, wonderful things that come out of that. And it's also really scary because now it's like, well, now people watch it and not everybody's going to like it. And you're going to get bad reviews and you're going to get emails out of the blue of people saying how much they loved it and um, you have to just sort of, like, take it all with a grain of sand and just realize, like, the film exists in the world now and you you can't protect it, you can't, like, you can't um, hide it anymore. And, and so to just sort of be open to that and not take things too hard or too personally and and just remember, like, it's all just part of your, you know, journey towards making the next film.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter to get your free download of the ebook "How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block," which includes advice from writers such as Aaron Sorkin, William Monahan, and Carrie Fukunaga. The newsletter will also keep you up to date on future episodes, new articles, and more. Sign up at brockswinson.com. B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N dot com.